This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back with episode eight of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. I'm joined once again by Lee Finch and Rob Boyce. How are we doing today, fellas? Very well, thank you, Jamie. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Evening, lads. Fads, appearance in a row for me. Hat trick of appearances, although that's probably a touchy subject after the Sunday result. Yeah, should get you a side match ball now. <laughs> we have lots to talk about tonight uh, and to discuss everything with us is Don's fan, Neil Leiden. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, pleasure to know you, Hello, mate. Uh, let's start tonight by talking about attitudes and the attitudes of the players. Um, Paul Calambay caused a bit of a stir on Saturday uh, before the defeat to Sunderland with an Instagram post. Finchy, I know you've got a lot to say about it. Yeah, I, I reposted it on our uh, Twitter feed, Womble's Dream. Uh, it really uh, upset me because uh, it's not the first time that he's done it. I think it's the second time. I think he did it at Bristol. Uh, I can't remember exact game, but yeah, it's the second time he's done it. Uh, and it's just the attitude of like he's bored, like he's sleepy, he's in the changing room, posting pictures up. You look in the background, there's other players on phones as well. Uh, and people said it's like an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. It's like, we'll get in the zone. I don't think fan, uh, phones should be in the changing room at all. You know, what's happened to the the attitude of players nowadays that they think they've got it all already and they, they can do what they like. Uh, and it just shows a total respect, uh, disrespect, sorry, total disrespect to the management team for me. And that's showing no leadership across the board. Uh, I don't know what the others think, but yeah, I, it really pissed me off on uh, Saturday when I saw it. I don't have a problem with PK using his phone in the change room. I mean, if you look at Jason Mourinho's Instagram post, the Tottenham players use their phones before and after games, and so does Mourinho, for example. Um, I do think, you know, in the modern day, modern game now, you know, players do use phones, and my understanding is they do use their phones for play analysis. My problem is with PK's attitude. You know, a few weeks ago, he hit the news, um, for you know, for allegedly grabbing his phone in his pocket, and now he seems to have another problem with his phone of uploading a picture of him being tired of board. You know, I thought these players were homegrown and hungry. It seems with PK a few weeks ago, he was homegrown and horny, and now he seems to be homegrown and tired of board. Which one is it? You know, what's going on there? And the thing is, he can't complain too much with his bored or tired 
that he's not in the starting eleven because he's not been good enough. He's not cemented a place in that team. So, yeah, you wouldn't see Will Nightingale doing that, in my opinion. I just just think it was a real lack of awareness. Like, you know, think back to the game, I think it was game four last, when his mistake lost us the game right at the end of that match. You know, it's, it's, it's just that awareness point I was saying. Like, just have a... just. Just, just think before you do some stuff like that. You know, we're in a really bad run. The fans are really fed up. You know, talk about being bored. I think most of us are pretty bored on a Saturday afternoon at the moment watching some of this stuff. So it's just that awareness. I know he's a young bloke and he makes mistakes, but I think it's already been mentioned on here that this isn't the first time. And I think it's just one of those things that, you know, try and give him benefit of the doubt. And I've been, I was thinking since Saturday, like, what reason could he have given that isn't quite as blunt as, you know, on board to be here? But I was just really struggling to find one, to be honest. Yeah, I think your point there, Neil, is spot on. Against Lincoln, he makes that mistake that cost us the game. Uh, if he has been switched on, maybe he was bored and tired there, and that's why he made that mistake. Uh, and going back to your point, Boise, like homegrown and hungry, what kind of message is that sending to the other kids? That they can come in, bring their phones in, they can play Tetris, or maybe Tetris, not nowadays. Tetris? Older. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> maybe... <laughs> Maybe Surprise. a new game. Sonic the Hedgehog. One of the right. new ones or something. Surprised he didn't say Snake on his Nokia 3310. <laughs> We've moved on from then, Fitchley. But you know what I mean? Like they're bringing their phones in and maybe like it sends a message to the kids that they can do what they... Again, it shows the total lack of respect for the management team in my eyes. And, and it shows that they don't have any power over these players. And I know you say they use it for analysis. Why are they using mobile phones for analysis now? Mobile phones are way for analysis at their homes and stuff like that. I get it. But we've got Plough Lane now. We've got mass- we can put a massive TV in that change room. It's big. They've got a massive area. Why do we? You've seen the Spurs documentary. You say about Spurs Boise. They use a massive screen to do their analysis. They all come in. None of them are talking. Jose starts talking. That's it. So he has his time when he probably says, "Yeah." But there's a certain spot where they don't they don't do it. And you only see them really posting when they've won, and he kind of takes the piss out of them if they've lost. Yeah, but you, you refer to, you know, when Jose comes in, he starts speaking, none of them on their phones. But that's just before the kickoff, that's before the game. It, it does seem like PK allegedly did make his post about an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. So it's not during the team speak. However, posting that on Instagram does show a real lack of awareness. I mean, it wasn't too long ago he also posted that one at Heathrow or Gatwick, you know, and that didn't go down too well with, his, with the fans. So does seem to me, you know, somebody needs to put him to one side and have a word with him about his social media. Um, and like I said, the players do seem to use Zoom a lot for meetings and get sent player data. So, again, I don't mind them having their phones in the change of rooms. It's just so much what they're posting. You would have thought after PK um, hitting the news, um, he would get his head down and work hard and, you know, um, show his worth to the team. Um, he's, doing, he's made him, done himself no favours there, especially in the current climate where people are losing their jobs and, you know, there is financial struggle and whatnot. You know, he's in a fortunate position to be a professional footballer. And I think, in my opinion, he should be sent to go train with the academy for a week or two just to make him realise how lucky he is, you know, because Archie Proctor can go sit on the bench who actually wants to be there. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Boise. Um He's living. He's living everyone's dream, isn't he? He's a professional footballer. He's playing. He's playing for Wimbledon, um, and he knows that on Instagram, the majority of the people that are following him are going to be Wimbledon fans. And the oh, that like Neil said, there's only one real way that that post can be construed. So he obviously hasn't thought about it. Um, I'd like to think that he's going to get bollocked 
obviously we won't know. Um, you know, because because he hasn't been playing, it's not like he can be dropped. It's not like is he on the bench uh, in the Portsmouth game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think he's on the bench because you know Hennigan's injured. Tell Thomas is out with uh, a viral infection. It's no longer been confirmed as COVID, just a viral infection. But we're still wishing well. Um, so I don't think they have much choice. I, I mean, I'd rather see Archie Pock on the bench. At least he wants to be there. That's my biggest gripe. And I think with PK. Um, you know, he came straight from the academy to a professional footballer. Whereas, if me and you, Jamie, for example, we we grew up working at Waitrose together. You know, all them years ago, um, we got Waitrose, Mister Park. <laughs> so, you know, I think some of these players don't realise how lucky they've had it to go straight into you know academy football, straight into a first team contract. Like you said, he's living the dream. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing. And, and I think your point is spot on again, Boise. I think if we had a, a better centre half, not saying Proctor's not good or will be good. But at the moment, with Hennigan out, we, we are lacking centre-backs. Uh, and then we are relying on Proctor or Madeline to come in and do a job, which Paul Kay, he can be good in League One. We've seen it. He can be a good player in League One. Uh, I just think the attitude, and it's not just Paul Kay's attitude. Obviously, we're, we're speaking about Paul Kay because he's done that. Uh, but I just don't like the attitude around the first team at the moment. The youth team seem to have it spot on. But the, the attitude I've got around the first team is just, I'm not getting a good vibe from it. I think... Maybe Glynn has lost the dressing room in some way with regards to the the attitudes that they have. And and, and you saw a difference Steve said in this year. Is that because he knows he could get away with it? I think we're all really hypersensitive about it as well since cast our minds back to when Wally lost his job and Quezzi Appiah put that tweet out that pissed off a hell of a lot of us. I think that's obviously making us really hypersensitive about it as well all the stuff we've already spoken about. And I'm, I am a bit of an old git, so I personally don't like it when I see players getting off coaches with headphones on that have just been sitting there staring at their phones for the whole journey by the looks of it. I think that once you're in the grounds, you're at work, so that phone should be off and you should be focused, even if it is an hour before the game. So, I don't know. In a way, can you really blame him too much because he's a young lad and all the lads around him are doing it? Or should the club be stepping in here and saying, look, this is where we need to be at. This, there must be there must be a policy around social media and stuff like that within our club because there is amongst most other clubs around the country. So you've got to you've got to hope that the club would just step in and just kind of stamp on this and just make sure we do things properly in future. I think another problem with social media is I did have a problem with Ollie Palmer putting on his Instagram that he is injured um, as well. I mean he's a he's a you know 28 years old. You know with PK you can make the excuse that he's young and naive, but. Posting that he's injured before any club comms has come out seemed a bit odd to me. Um, I mean, I'm all for players having social media and it's all good, you know, when we've won a game. And, you know, I remember a few years ago, Toby Civic would go live on the coach and it would be all, you know, good banter, good atmosphere and whatnot. But I think, you know, somebody's got to make them aware as how it comes across to fans, especially at the current climate with COVID, with the mood of the nation being quite low. Um, you know, it doesn't take much at the moment to to piss off the Dons fans, you know, especially with the run of results we're on. This, this ain't a new thing. This was happening when we had Mitch Pinnock, when we had Wordsworth. Everyone knew that Mitch Pinnock and Wordsworth were out on the piss when they were meant to be injured because there was pictures on social media of them in uh, Camden off their heads. Uh, and then everyone was thinking that Piggott was doing it as well and he was teetotal. So again, this social media just then leads to a big rumour snowball that starts off as nothing and then it just blows up. And I think you're right, with Ollie Palmer tweet like Instagramming that he was injured then it was just rumor central is he out for three weeks is he out for six weeks is he got to have an operation because he went to Harley Street 
But the club comms have not said anything. And I know we, we're going to speak about that later on, so I don't want to go into that too much. But it's just like, who's running the club at the moment? Because the youth team, as I said before, I've got it, seem to be spot on. They, they seem to have a one, one way of doing stuff, and that's how it's done. And I think we should look into doing that from the first team has to go down to the youth team. It is one way, one structure the whole way through. Do you, do you think, I don't know whether there is training, social media training within clubs. Do you think that would be beneficial? Because obviously a lot of players will have common sense, but by the same token, a lot of players won't, uh, won't do. And then you'll get the likes of Paul Callenby putting out tweets that are going to annoy the fan base. I think we have the facilities to do that now. As I said, we've got Plough Lane. Like Kings Meadow, you couldn't really do anything at Kings Meadow off the pitch. You could, you could possibly train there and you could play games there. But we have the facilities now. We've got all them banqueting suites or well, the hospitality suites, sorry. We've got that massive big banquet suite, that big hall. So we could put, even with COVID, we can put two people in a room and make them watch videos and stuff and analyse stuff. Or you could do two metres apart in that massive hall and get Glyn speaking to them and getting people speaking to them. We have the facilities now to do better analysis, better social media training, and just better with the attitudes of Wimbledon and what Wimbledon fans expect. Uh, and I don't see an excuse anymore. With Kings Meadow, there was an excuse. We don't have that. Why? We don't have to train at the training ground all day. You, they're professional footballers. They could work all day if they wanted. It's not like, oh, you used to come in at nine and you finish midday and go play golf. You finish at midday, you've had a hard session, you have lunch, then you go down the training ground, you, watch, uh, you go to the plow lane, you watch videos, or you do some analysis or something like that there. Do you think that... Um, sorry, my mind just... I had a point and then... Um, <clears throat> you went off on a completely different tangent and it's gone. Sorry. Going back to PK, you said about the academy um, having one way of doing things. I think that's what the most disappointing thing is for me, is PK came through the academy... You know, they do have a structure. They do, you know, have the homegrown and hungry motto. Uh, you know, it came, came through with Mark Robinson. Um, so, yeah, that's the most disappointing thing for me is, you know, you would have thought, if anything, he would know better. And I wonder if, you know, this post on social media, which he made, which has rallied up the uh, fan base, if it would ha happen if we had more leaders or more captains in the dressing room. For example, if he'd done, you know, was he doing that when we had the D2 playoff team? I mean, I know he wasn't really around the first thing, but would he get away with that, you know, with a Danny Ballman, a Paul Robinson, a Darius Charles, a Barry Fuller? I don't think he does, um, in my opinion. But we've got a, we've got a young team. Um, you know, a lot of them have come through non-league or academy and um, or on loan. And, you know, are the loan players going to step up and tell them what's right and what's not? I think you've hit the nail on the head again there, Boise. There's a complete lack of leadership within that playing squad. Um, you know, you, you talk about Nightingale being a leader, but um, is he... Could he be too nice? Do you, you know what I mean? I, I agree with what you're saying. He doesn't seem like the type to pull up trees, does he, in that dressing room? I mean, no. Or Leeds, by example. So you wouldn't see a Will Nightingale doing that. But would he pull, pull Cullenbaier to one side and say, look, you know, that's not the Wimbledon way. You know, you should know better. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you have, um, you do have some experienced heads in there, but I don't, I can't, I'm struggling to find someone that would step up and, and take the arm. For example, Piggott's not a captain. He's, he, he's got the armband because he was scoring all the goals or we want him to stay or, you know, and good luck to him. But he's not a natural leader. 
I think when, you, when you're talking about lack of natural leaders on the pitch is a really good point. But I think also look at the management team as well. I mean, I don't get much sense of urgency or real uh, kind of drive from hearing what the what the management team is saying. I know we're going to go on to talk about comms in a bit, but I don't know. I think it's not just the it's not just the playing staff. It's it's the management team. I, I don't get that sense of leadership currently at the moment, really. So I, it's just that point I made earlier about confidence and whether this is going to, how it will be dealt with internally. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to go back on. Sorry, Neil, good point. But regards to your point, Boise, about would he have got away with this with uh, uh, other teams and leaderships? Not being we had Bayerak and Fremo, who's social media literally social media mad. He he was driven more about social media than he was playing football. In my view, he he, he done well for us. Lyle Taylor's another one who who loves a bit of social media. So and you don't see any other of the youth team who have come through doing it. You don't see a Zach Robinson on social media. You don't see any of it. They they all support that and all rep the club on social media. You don't really see any like Will is hardly on social media. I know he's got Facebook and stuff, but you have to friend request him and then he has to accept it. But we've had players in the past who are social media driven. And they still got away. Like as I said, Mitch Pinnock, Woody—they were both leaders on the park. Like Woody was a leader, and he, he he could lead on the park. But he was—he loved a beer and the social media, and he he took the piss with it a little bit. And and I think that was well known. But look where Woody and Pinnock are now, both released from the club. And if, in my honest opinion, I think Paul Kalambaya will be gone at the end of the season. In my opinion, I mean, he's already bought the club's name in the distribute by, you know, the, the uh, court case appearance and now this, you know, his attitude's not there. Going back to Akin Fenra, for example, you know what you're going to get with an Akin Fenra. I mean, because obviously the whole beast mode on, you know, you know, he is social media. It's the way he makes a uh, living out of football. Um, but, you know, I don't recall Akin Fenra ever posting, you know, he's bored or he's, or he's tired. Um, you know, we, like I said, you know what you're going to get with an Akin Fenra, but with Akin Fenra and Lyle Taylor, they produced the goods on the on the football pitch. You know, they both helped us get promoted. Whilst if what's Paul Cannonby doing, costing us costing us three points most weeks. Well, I think uh, it also goes down to the temperature of the fans. You know, at the minute we're pissed off anyway because we're playing shit and we're in the we're in the bottom four. Um, when you have the likes of Akin Fenwa, um, he he had his famous tweet, the "What happened?" thing when the news was it the news of Plough Lane breaking. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but he he got away with it because, like you said, we were, we were in a playoff hunt and we ended up going up that season. Um, because we're not happy as fans at the minute. Do you think it's amplified more the fact that they might be taking the piss on social media? I just got to say, remember with Paul Kay, he was found not guilty with regards to the court case that he had. I think the the reason why I think fans were annoyed about the court case is that he never told the club. So the club never knew about it until it actually came out in the news. So I don't. The club might have known about it. Uh, I, as a fan, and again, we'll talk about club comms later. But as fans, we didn't know about it until it was on the news, which I thought was is wrong. But we have to remember that he was found not guilty with regards to that. You know what? I can understand why PK didn't tell the club. I mean, I think as a young lad, it's, it was a bit of an embarrassing story for him. I mean, it, it said, you know, he smelt of BO and whatnot. It, it wasn't pleasant to read. You know, if I was in his shoes, I would want it to bury my head in the sand and it go away. I mean, I don't think he expected that to go into the media. I mean, it was quite surprising when it did come out. So, I mean, I can give him the benefit of doubt on that one. You know, we all, when we're young, we all made mistakes. But, you know, uh, I think somebody's got to, you know, put them to one side and just remind him of, you know, 
the, where we came from through the academy and you know what's right and what's wrong. Do you think he, he should get another chance in the first team? I'd like to say, I think I mentioned earlier, I'd like to see him dropped back down to the academy, go train with them for two weeks, just to remind him where he came from. Um, I think everyone deserves a second chance to go drop him and get rid of him because of one social media post would be a bit over the top. But I mean, I do think he needs to uh, rocket up his ass to realise how fortunate he is. I think he's fortunate that the, the fact we haven't got enough centre-backs to drop him at the moment. I, I agree with what Boise is saying. He needs to be... Uh, put in with the youth and, and, and shown uh, that he can't do it again and, and his wrist slapped. But at the moment, we do not have the centre-backs to drop him, which is a shame because then, again, it shows that you can do what you like, really. And if, if we haven't got the players or, or Glenn don't think we've got the players, then they're not going to be dropped. Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite enough to banish him from the squad completely. I think maybe a bit of time on the bench, as, as Lee was just saying, if we can afford to have him on the bench because of our defensive shortcomings at the minute bit of time on the bench someone have a word with him hopefully see a change in attitude from him and get him back in the team defending our goal a bit better I think that's the thing Neil good point I think he has to now knuckle down as Boise said earlier he has to knuckle down and we haven't seen that and I think that's what has annoyed a lot of people and pissed a lot of people off is now he has to show why he should be in that first team and get back into that first team but I agree. With, I think boy, he should be put in the youth team for a couple of weeks, and then brought back in and said, "Look, you got to fight for that shirt now." So next up, we're going to talk about injuries. Uh, we've had quite a few this season, and obviously, Boise brought up Palmer and his Instagram posts. This thing about Instagram posts, isn't it? Uh, this week. Um, what do we think about the injuries? Do you think injuries could have caused our downfall or is it just part and parcel of the season? I think they have played a part in our downfall. We've not had a settled back four or back five. You know, O'Neill's picked up a long-term injury. Hennigan's been injured. Tal Thomas picked up a viral infection, which isn't COVID. I mean, you could say that's unlucky. One thing I do think, I feel I've noticed, I could be wrong, is it feels like we've picked up more injuries since Stuart Douglas has gone. I mean, I'm, I know we're going to get onto the club comes later, but it does feel like we're getting more injuries. And is that playing a part, not having an experienced physio? Um, I mean, one thing, we, one thing I would say with COVID is some of these players like Ollie Palmer, Ben Hennigan, they haven't had a full pre-season. Um, you know, they've had a disrupted, you know, pre-season with COVID. They've alluded to that. And I wonder if that's also another reason or another factor as to why we're picking up these injuries. Yeah, for me, with regards to Ollie Palmer, is we, we signed him and he was injured already before we signed him. So he had to come back injured. Uh, your point about Stuart Douglas is, but have we, I, don't, I could be wrong here, but I don't even think we've replaced, I don't think we have a full-time visa in place at the moment. And if we do, I, I don't know who it is because I don't think I've ever seen it on the website. But regards to, like again, Hennigan, we signed Hennigan and he's injured straight away. And it just, we don't seem to do any due diligence when we're signing players. We just think, oh, they're going to be good because they were good in League Two, like with Palmer. And now Palmer looks like he's going to be the new Queziapia because he's constantly breaking down. He's constantly injured. And again, I think you might be right there, Boise. I hate keep saying that. But yeah, you might be right there, Boise, that he, he, uh, he hasn't had a preseason, which is not going to help anyone when you're playing football full time. Uh, but I just I, we struggle with injuries every season though. It's every season now we're losing three or four players, 
And with a club with our budget, we can't keep signing injury-prone players. Uh, and I know people will say, well, that's the only players we can sign because of our budget. But something needs to be done because every season we are losing three, four top players. And I look at other clubs and they don't seem to have the same amount of injuries as us. Do we know what Oli Palmer's injury record was like before he signed for us? Was it a clean, clean bill or did he struggle with them? It's, this is the first season, apparently, that he's struggled with injuries. But the problem is, he, 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 at the end of the uh, year of Crawley, he suffered a bad injury and we signed him with that injury. I think, I think what doesn't help is thinking back to the summer when we signed him. Uh, admittedly, I didn't know much about him, but he was really badged as our like, marquee signing. Um, so that's got fans really excited, particularly with Piggott's contract running down and we know that he's probably going to be going. We see Ollie Palmer as our kind of main man and for him to just come in injured, it's just so underwhelming. I think it just adds on top of the way we've been feeling about a load of other stuff as well. And just on the back of what you said, Lee, I know from listening to this podcast before, you don't like us using the budget as an excuse, but I think that probably is slightly an excuse in that we can't just go out and get our first, say we've got a list of seven, ten strikers we're looking at. We can't just go and pick the first one or two because they're probably going to be in demand from other clubs. Sometimes we have to take a punt on other players that might either have fallen out of favour, like a Lyle Taylor or um, a Tom Elliott, someone like that. Or we might have to go for someone that might have had a bit of a history of injuries, like a Quezzi Appiah. Uh, so mate, that's where I think we're at with it, but I'm not sure what you think about it. Like uh, Adam Rosgrove? Yeah. So, so we, we bought in Adam Rosgrove from a, 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 the Welsh League. Uh, we, we've, we've suffered with injuries. And then we get rid of a striker that we had that we didn't play and obviously wasn't rated. And some people don't rate him. Uh, but we, we suffer with injuries and then we let a striker go. We've got, we against Sunderland the, the, on the weekend, we didn't look like scoring a goal. Pigger, I did, it was not one of his best games. But he doesn't bring Robinson on until the eighth minute. Uh, and we, we, we've got injuries do you know what I mean? I'm going off tangent there, but we, we've got Palmer now injured. And, and, and again, it's going to be on club comms, but there was nothing to say that he was going to be out. So everyone's expecting Pigger and Palmer to play. And again, we've got an injury that we don't even know about. I, unless I missed it, because I must admit, I'm not keeping as close an eye on the comms as I've done in previous seasons. I don't even remember seeing that Hennigan was injured, but I may have missed that somewhere. But he just seems to drift out of the team. And you've mentioned Osu before as well on this pod. I know that. Again, he seems to have just drifted in out. I think it was only yesterday or the day before that I actually saw something about him nearing a return to fitness again. So, you know, again, I'm drifting into the comms discussion again. But um, I wonder how much of the... I know this is an excuse for all, that all clubs could use, but I wonder how much the Christmas run has taken out of some of our players as well. But again, I agree. We, we had a Christmas run where Hartigan played literally every game and now he can't get back in. But... How many players have we had through COVID as well? How many players have had COVID? I, like, I know it's not an injury as such, but then if they're getting COVID and they're off for two weeks, I, again, we don't know how many players have had COVID. But my point is, is Oli Palmer the new Kwesi Appiah? I think, I think if you want to compare him to anyone, it would probably be James Hansen would be a better comparison because he's also a target man. I think, um, I mean, I looked at Oli Palmer's records um, prior to signing and he did complete a full season, you know, for the last eight or nine years. So... Um, it does seem like he didn't get the treatment or the physio he needed because of COVID. My understanding is, you know, Crawley broke up and, you know, he was basically getting his rehab, working by himself at home. Um, and then he couldn't apparently get to a hospital or something because of COVID again. I mean, he did allude to it in a 
YouTube interview that he's he's frustrated as well. You know, he's been out with with injury and then, you know, he didn't have a preseason. He's had COVID. He's, you know, gets back in the team. He picks up a, a fire injury. So I think I think we've got to be patient with him. I think we've got to give benefit of the doubt. Um, I think as Neil said, it didn't it didn't help for, you know, when we signed him, it seemed like we signed Prince Nassim Hamid, you know, or for the uh for the older fans, uh, Tyson Fury, the way he came out, you know, throwing uppercuts and whatnot. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was quite a quite an entrance, isn't it? You know, he made. And we thought, yes, we've got that big number nine. And with everything going on in this season at the moment, results not going our way, um, you know, not creating a lot of chances. It, it's frustrating, you know, and I think fans are just frustrated there. But I do still have faith in Palmer. I don't think he's going to be a flop. I just think, you know, just needs to get himself back fit and hopefully can get a run, get a run of games. See, my thing again with the injuries is it's every year. Like you'd mentioned Hansen. Hansen again was a marquee signing. He was going to be our big number, number nine. Uh, and then he gets injured. And he, he, he was injured for, what, ham, like pretty much the whole season. Uh, and then he come back and pretty much with the team there kept us up. But we suffer with injuries so many times. And why is this? Like Osu seems to be injured. And people say it's because he's a young lad, he's getting muscular injuries. But why why do we suffer with them so much? Why are we struggling with injuries? I um I remember when we signed Tom Elliott here at Cambridge, he had a lot of he had an injury record at Cambridge, a lot of their fans said, you know, he'll spend all the time on treatment table. And Tom Elliott did have a few injuries, but then I also remember I can't remember if it was Jason McAmory or Stuart Douglas, who released a YouTube video, but it, it, I think it was Stuart Douglas, but he was explaining, in fact, the, the big target men, you know, a load of, uh, because they're heavier, a lot of loads goes through their joints, they're more vulnerable to pick up these injuries, which would make sense, you know, when you're jumping and you're six foot seven and way more than uh, Paul Osu, you know, and it's, it's a lot of impact on your body. So maybe that's why, you know, the, the James Hansons, the Ollie Palmers and the Tom Elliott's of this world do pick up a few more injuries than, you know, the younger, younger I think I think it's some of it boils down to luck. You know, you can just be unlucky uh, and pick up one bad injury, and then it all kind of spirals from there. Um, Hansen, we signed. There was loads of rumours about Hansen as well, about that he just didn't really fancy it down down south. He wanted to move back up north. Um, but Vinci, you said that uh, we seem to suffer from loads and loads of injuries now apart from this season where I think we've had a fair few, I don't think we've had that many uh, in previous seasons. Or, or is that me missing it, do you think? I disagree, because you think Will's made out of glass. He's always injured. Uh, has been for long periods. Again, mm-hmm. this season we've had Oksana. Uh, had to go back to Brentford for physio. Why has he gone back to Brentford? I know there is parent club, but is that something that he could not have been around our team? He had to go back to Brentford. I, I I can't think off the top of my head of every season's injuries that we had, but it does seem Han- we had Hanson, we had Will. Uh, who, I can't remember last season's. We I, th- I think the Oxen and thing. I think that's pretty common that if a if a player picks up a bad injury at a loan club, they'll go back to their parent club to where they have better mm-hmm. facilities, better um, better rehab equipment and stuff. You know, it, it, yeah. We lost Marcus Foster injury, didn't we, last season? Quezzi Appiah. But um, we know Quezzi Appiah doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's, injured, he's injured this season. I mean, even the, the <laughs> yeah, North, North Indian League has sent him back. Yeah. So I think but, that. That's, that's what I mean. Like you said, Marcus Force. We'd have, I, I think we'd have got playoffs if Marcus Force had stayed. Oh, grow up. And uh, 
partnered with 50 goal a season Zach Robinson. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe put them, them two together, man. We, we would have probably got automatic. You know, but, Barcelona, uh, Barcelona would have been knocking at their door. Messi, Neymar, Suarez, placement. <laughs> but Marcus Force is probably the best natural finisher we got, and he's playing for Brentford every week now. And uh, he was injured, and he, I know it's he, he was a young kid and he was playing, but it just it just seems mad to me that we suffer with so many injuries. And it's always had big players. It's always had marquee signings. I, that always gets I, I think the reason we notice it more is because our squad is quite threadbare. You know, we don't have the biggest budget. So we operate on, you know, uh, a, you know, a Joe Pigger. We've got a loan signing Longman, a big target man. And then, you know, a fourth choice type of Aziz, Falivi, Rosgro type. who ain't really first choice. And then when they do get injured, these, you know, if Piggott's out for a long time, all of a sudden you're looking at these fourth choice strikers like, Oh, they're not good enough. Um, and I think that's the reason why uh, why we suffer so much when we do get an injury. We don't have any replacements ready to come in. We rely on the academy players and the loan players to, to fill the gaps in the squad every season. So do you, do you think we should go down, the, say, like a route, like I keep mentioning them and stuff, and they've got a small budget, but Accrington Stanley, they, they, they seem to do well with, they've not really got a training ground. I know they're playing loads of games, but do, do, is it best to go with a smaller squad that you then have fit players. You don't go and sign an Ollie Palmer if you know he's already injured. You go and sign uh, his who 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 replaced him. Sorry, the guy who just sold for a million. Waters, Max Waters. Waters. You, you go, you go get Waters instead. Like, how is he not on the radar? Like, you, we signed Ollie Palmer who was injured. We signed Hanson who was injured. Why not build your squad around a 15 first team fit first team players? I think Max Waters wasn't on our radar because he was released from Doncaster. Um, and whereas Oli Palmer was playing week in week out for Crawley in League 2 doing quite well probably had his best season for him last year um, you know Crawley have then taken a punt on a kid that's been released from Doncaster and it's worked out for him you know uh, if you, uh, I don't know what the scouts whether they'd have heard of Max Waters before this season it's, but, you know. but we took a punt on Joe Pigger from Maidstone we took a punt exactly. on Lyle Taylor at Scunthorpe so it's <laughs> not like you know for every success story, there's also an Adam Rosco, you know. Which... Yeah, and, that, and that's the main, the main difference is their punt has uh, got them a, a million pounds, whereas our punts, we let go for nothing. You're talking, about, you're talking about our scouting then. Um, when Nick Dawes came in to help with this massive scouting network, it is slightly worrying that our marquee signing has to be someone that is injured. And I know I've just kind of gone back on what I said about we probably have to take a punt on players because of our budget but that that is a worrying thing but just going back on Ollie Palmer I'm not writing him off just yet I think one of the frustrations of him of course he's been injured but I think when he has played I really don't think we've been playing to his strengths um he's not got supersonic pace but we're not we're, we're playing to him sometimes asking him to chase on spools and as soon as you whip those crosses in he does look more dangerous and that's how he's got his first goal so I think I'm looking forward to us playing a bit more um particularly if something happens with Pig but you know, I don't. Let's just hope we can keep him as fit as possible. To be honest, because we're going to struggle otherwise. Is is Nick Dawes' major like this scouting thing that he brought in? Is, do you reckon it's like Moneyball? Do you know what I mean? Where he he goes right? We got this player. He's been injured for like four mm. weeks. But if he if we get him fit, he's going to score like ten ten goals. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is that what we're trying to do? Moneyball is that we've got players who might have a bad back, might be a little bit hunchback, but they're going to be quick as anything can score goals. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just we, we sign players and it's just like. Where were they signed? Like Oli Palmer was injured when we signed him, 
but how has he come from a scouting network that we've got a base of about 500 players, apparently? Well, I'd imagine that Oli Palmer was on that scouting network before he got injured, and we'd probably made a decision that we were going to sign him before we got injured, or at least try and sign him before we got injured. Um, then, yeah, go on. Sorry, mate, then shouldn't we just then go, well, he's injured now, and we don't know how long he's going to be back for. We can't sign someone that we might, it might be a quasi Appia. But you look at, if, if Oli Palmer was the fit that they were looking for, they wanted a big six-foot-five Giants play up front next to Piggott. And there wasn't another one out there that was within our reach. Um, you, then that means, do you understand what I'm trying to say? He I could have I, come back from that injury and hit the ground running and banged in 10 goals and we wouldn't be having this conversation. I get what you're saying, yeah. but then there, there, there should be more than one target man on that list. If we've only got one target man, we're like, we're going to get this player no matter what and then he breaks his legs and he's out for a year and we're going to go, oh, we're still signing because he's the only one we got on that list. That just seems madness to me that we didn't have three or four targets. And then when Oli Palmer got injured, go shit, this geezer's injured. How long is he going to be out for? How, like, we've got COVID restrictions. Are we going to be able to get him fit? They obviously thought we did. We were going to get him fit, even though we don't have a physio currently, I, I believe. Again, I could be wrong on that. But I don't think we've got a full-time physio. So that just seems like a madness signing to me out of this scouting network that Nick Dawes has put together. I, I remember um, New Ardley at Meet the Manager, and I think Lynn's alluded to this. You know, the, Everyone's been crying out for so long for a target man. And the reason why it's been so hard to sign one is because they're, you know, they're so in demand from all the big clubs. Everyone wants a target man and they're quite rare to find. You know, there's not an abundance of target men out there. You know, you've got Oli Palmer, you know, in Banstead, Epsom, somewhere in that direction. And had we let him go and he'd gone and banged in 10 goals, like Jamie said, everyone gone, oh, he's on our doorstep. Why didn't we sign him? Why didn't we scout Cooley? You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. We've not ever really replaced Dakin Fenwa or Tom Elliott for me. I mean, we've got got Tyrone Barnett, but I'd rather not mention his name or think of him. And then, you know, James Hansen, like, like Jamie said, he, he didn't like living down south. He wanted to move back up north. He, he didn't really feel like his heart was in it. He had his injuries. So, you know, it finally feels like we've got that big number nine through the door. And yeah, so far it hasn't worked. But I do think if he gets himself fit, and like Neil said, with um, Luke O'Neill coming back delivering them whipped crosses in, I think it could, could work itself out. I get your point, if damned if you do, damned if you don't. But my, my point again is, once he's injured, we then have to think, do we sign this guy that could be out like he has been? And then do we take a punt on him? We've taken a punt on him and it hasn't worked. We can't afford them punts all the time. Because it, it, it's not going to... We can't keep taking punts on injured players. And that's my point. We, once he got injured, we should have looked at it and gone, we need to, we need to look elsewhere. Uh, there's there's nothing saying that we didn't uh, look elsewhere. You know, you, you we might have seen like we want Oli Palmer. Oh crap, he's injured. Uh, let's see what else is out there, and then gone. Well, let's take a punt on him anyway. You know, if if we think we can get him back near around the start of next season, get him up to fitness, and then ease him into the first team, that's better than not signing a target man at all. You know, it's you're assuming that we've just gone. Ah, oh, fuck it, we'll just sign him. It doesn't matter that he's injured. Um, it seems that way. Whereas I think there's probably a lot more to it than that. It might, it might be as simple as he was injured. Let's look next one, two or three down the list. Do you know what? It's probably worth the gamble going for Palmer because we think he's that much better than what was number two or number three on the list. And I'm sure if when we signed him, the diagnosis was that he was going to be out for a long, long time. We probably might have steered clear, but maybe we didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was because we haven't got that dedicated physio resource perhaps maybe that was one of the reasons who knows 
And, and another problem I've got is why I know people don't rate Ross Grow, but why have we let Ross Grow go if we've only got two fit strikers at the moment and we've got Robinson, who I rate, but a lot of people don't have not seen enough of him. Wait, but do you know, do you rate Zach Robinson? Just a little bit, mate. You should have mentioned bit. it before now. I just need to get a, a signed uh, shirt off him, I think, and uh, put it to bed <laughs> for me. But anyway, all we um, need, we, why have we let a striker go when we've only got two two fit strikers? Well, I mean, I think Roscoe, if we if we have got a fee for him, I think that's a good bit of business. And it is if we could. bring someone in now. It yeah, so I'd imagine that we were looking to bring someone in. I know you banded um, Calvin Come Andrews' in. name about. Um, you know, if we do bring someone else in, or maybe Glenn's seen Robinson and he's gonna, he's gonna get, he's gonna have him as the fourth choice striker. Whether whether you have the. Bear with me just one minute. I'm just going to look at the injury hit list and then see who we're going to sign off that because that's probably what we're going to go from. Who's been injured? <laughs> Who's injured the most? Who's injured currently? And, and if we do get him fit, who will score us 100 goals? And then we'll, we'll just take, we'll just pick a punt on that. <laughs> well, welcome we welcome back, Quasi Empire. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Mate, he's back in the country. <laughs> I think, I think go, uh, go, uh, going back. season ticket if that happened. <laughs> Going back to Roscoe, I think it made sense for all parties. He got a three-and-a-half-year deal in Wales. It seemed like he was back and forth there. It was a Wally Down signing. You know, Glynn is the manager now. Maybe he didn't fancy him. You know, you notice in the, Glyn, he got, in, in the summer, Glynn got rid of, you know, Wagstaff, Wordsworth, uh, Mitch Pennock. So, you know, he's obviously trying to build his own squad. He doesn't rate Roscoe for whatever reason. And I hope before the close of the window, he does bring someone in. So you just made me point out, Jamie said, sorry, I just, just remembered some of the names you just dropped there. Jamie was like, who was injured last season? Wordsworth for about six months of the season. Yeah, Mitch Pinnock had a few injuries. Wagstaff had injuries. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. I don't know I was sleep, don't have yeah. to dig me out, mate. Well, no, because you were saying we didn't miss, we didn't have that many injuries. It just seems like we have a lot of injuries every season. And, and I said, it's just, we, we need to be, well, this budget stuff really gets on my nerves, right? Because we're not paying peanuts. We're paying good money for footballers. Right during the COVID period as well, where we're like we've signed Ollie Palmer might have gone to an older or something like that if he was getting the grand more, but he don't want to move up north at the moment. We're we're not paying peanuts. We're paying good money. So why are we paying good money for people that are just going to sit in an injury room? I know they don't want to. I know Ollie Palmer would prefer to play. Hundred percent, he says that all the time, and he probably when he does play, probably decent. I just don't think he's going to play for us, unfortunately. Are we paying good money for? Like we're paying good money if you compare it to. Know, like it works at McDonald's or probably most of us but is that good money for a league one footballer one one of the things I noticed is Ben Hennigan when he signed for us he done an interview and he was training with Wigan before he signed for us and he know he said the first thing he noticed when he signed for us is the cost of rent down here we live in one of the most expensive parts of London so everyone's saying oh Accrington Stanley Accrington Stanley you know you can go get a mansion for 100 quid a month in Accrington Stanley Compared to <laughs> compared to down here, so you know if you're paying a footballer two grand a month or two grand a week, whatever, you know, for example, in Southwest London, compared to Accrington Stanley, you know, it's boys, then don't move to Wimbledon. You know what I mean? Or don't live in SW like nineteen. It's really expensive. Maybe move like most of the boys live in Kent, live in the outskirts of Essex or something, and travel in. Do you know what I mean you don't have to live in on Hayden's Road? You don't have to live in a, in a flat that's going to cost you two and a half grand a week, and all you get is a kitchen sink. Just, do you know what I mean? I, I, I get it, but we're not. We're still not paying, Pete. Like you said, Palmer lives. Where does he live? Uh, I, think 
I think he lives at home with his parents somewhere in Ben Sedepsum. I could be wrong. He can't live with his... I'm not having that. <laughs> I could be wrong, but... He's, how old is he? 28? Could be wrong. See, that's another thing I've gone off in there. 28 <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't move out of my mum's well, Shane, Mac, Shane McLaughlin's living with Ivo at the moment. Is he? Yeah. So it goes no, to show... No wonder his form's dipped. He's probably up all night listening to... <laughs> 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 but it goes to show even living in Kent is expensive to compare and living up north you know I think that's another thing we don't factor in well they should live, live in Chatham or something you know what I mean it's not the nicest area but they get cheap rent and they play football live in the ghetto of Croydon yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we spoke to Gareth Graham about that yeah he, he said it was moving from Belfast to Croydon there was no difference <laughs> We've mentioned it a few times tonight uh, and we've threatened to talk about it on many of the past podcasts. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about the club communications. Um, Neil, do you want to start us off? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I think obviously probably just from looking at most of the social media and most of the message boards posts and everything, and I know from talking to some of my mates, this is the thing that's really starting to kind of get on people's nerves quite a bit. Um I'm not necessarily talking about the quality of the stuff we put on the website in terms of kind of previews of games and flashbacks to things we've done in the past. For me, it's more about what we do post-match. And I know this isn't anything new or groundbreaking, but I really think we need to try and see how we can do things a bit better around that. Um, because my observation from looking at a lot of the, the post-match stuff is that we're not really being given any new information each week. It sounds pretty much the same each week it's like the interviews are being conducted from a list of pre-prepared questions, which is fine. And I get that they don't want to put people in an awkward position, but there doesn't seem to be any pickup on what's being said in response. So they'll ask a question, someone will give a response. Then I'll just go on to the next question that's on the list rather than drilling into what they've said, if there might be a little avenue to go in there and talk about that and kind of probe a bit more and find out, well, I know the fans want to know about this. So I'm going to press this a little bit more. These, these types of comms are a real window for fans to understand what's going on at the club and to get an insight that they wouldn't ordinarily get. And being honest, I'm just not getting that at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Neil. There's no hard questions. It's all just boring. You can just guess what the post-match uh, questions are going to be straight away before they've even asked them. And then the player, it's all the stuff like, oh, I bet you can't wait to play at the ground when the ground's full. So, like, yeah, of course they can't. Like, you know what I mean, what are they going to say? No, no, actually, I'd rather play at Sunderland, mate, where 35,000 people are going to be there. It's just bullshit questions after bullshit questions that boring people and people are not watching them anymore. Uh, my thing with the club comms is that we don't hear enough about players or players being injured. Like the other day against uh, Sunderland, I believe that Hennigan was out uh, and Osu was coming back from injury. Palmer, not even mentioned, right? But we all knew he was out because he'd already put it on his Instagram. But the club then just left it totally out. They've still not mentioned that Palmer was injured. I, I get they might not know how long he's going to be for and they don't want to like panic or then think everyone, we have to buy a striker. Like we've already talked about injuries anyway, but they've, they've not mentioned that he's injured. And it's stuff like that. We, we mentioned it earlier again with the injuries. Douglas, he, he went. I didn't even think he got a farewell or a goodbye. And I know the way he went was apparently a bit underhand. Again, it's all rumours again, but not even a farewell. Even if you don't like the way he left, he still did a, a good job for us when he was at the club. Uh, we haven't. I don't know if we've got a full-time physio anymore. I don't know if that's the case. Osu, he, he comes back, he goes, he comes back, he goes. But no one knows. 
it's just it's just ludicrous how we don't get up to date with any information and it doesn't take a lot just to say yeah palmer is injured or push glenn on saying why have we lost that game or why has that why are you playing that formation all the time i remember back in the day uh who was who was the first physio rayner mike rayner is that is that right um he yeah, used to have so. in really detailed injury notes in every program saying who was out how long they how long they'd be out for who's close to full fitness who's not and this and we're talking about like combined counties level football and we're now in league one professional football club and none of us have a scooby what's going on with body palmer um he's put something on instagram with the in, injured emoji um you think, well, we'll probably talk about it on the pre-match interviews, nothing, nothing on the post-match interviews. Is he injured? How long is he out for? But do we need to get another striker in? Are they, are they trying to keep it on the low because we're, we want to get another striker in and we don't want, we don't want teams knowing that we're desperate for a striker? Um, it's just a shambles. It really is. We, you know, we're, uh, they keep on drilling in uh, or hammering on about we're a fans club and, you know, the, everything like that. When they need something, when, when they want the fans to dip, them, dip their hand in their pocket, they want to, you know, we're a fans club, we're all in this together. As soon as, as, soon as they've got that money, it's like, oh, you can fuck off now. That's how it feels like. I've never felt so disconnected from my football club as I do now. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. And another thing I'm going to point out is that we've, we've lost 3-0 and 4-0. Uh, and in the next this week, they'll probably show us a, a, a training ground video of Piggott smashing balls in against a youth team, an under 15 year old goalkeeper, and go, "Oh, Piggott's on fire before the weekend." I don't give a shit about that. I don't care that Piggott can score with no defenders against a 15 year old. I want to know what's going on on the pitch. Glenn, push him, push doors, push him. Up. Like it's just it is becoming bullshit from what they're playing out to us. Uh, and there's no accountability. Is anyone on the club? must be seeing some of the tweets and some of the stuff that's being said on socials. Uh, and is there accountability of what is being put out? Who, who puts this stuff out and thinks it's actually good? I just think there's a real opportunity to try and do some slightly different comms as well. We're at, obviously, the, the fan base is pretty low results-wise, but of course, we've got the pandemic. We've got this brilliant new ground, which we can't go to, so everyone's feeling pretty low. There just seems a bit of a, a gap that we could be filling there with some creative comms, some... I know, I know all the comms are designed to be positive and upbeat, but it, it, it does feel slightly repetitive sometimes. So I wonder if there is a bit of a bridge, to, a bit of a vacuum there that could be filled with something a bit more, a bit more positive, a bit more uplifting. Talk to some of our youth prospects that are coming through and just say, what, what's exciting you about playing and representing our club? Anything like that to try and lift the fans up a little bit and look forward to, look forward to something coming down the line somewhere. Whereas at the minute, it's just, I don't want to keep going back to the interviews, but it's just the same thing week after week. And to be honest with you, I, I, I can't even remember which ones I've looked at because they all look quite so similar. I agree with you, Lee. It's about accountability. If you look at the media team, if you look at, um, you know, uh, in fact, I won't name names, but if you look at the media team as a whole, they don't report to anyone. There's no management over overseeing them. So they've got a free reign. You know, they can, they can do what they want and I follow. They can pretty much do what they want before and after the um, interviews. They can do what they want on their Twitter, you know, after with us 3-0. They kind of downplayed it as if we were in the game, but they don't, they don't, the media team don't report to anyone. There's no accountability. And I understand that maybe the reason for that is because, you know, we've taken our eye off the ball with having to build a new, a new stadium. We've changed the CEO. We've changed the manager. You know, we've, we've changed the sports scientists. We've changed the physio. There's, there's been a lot going on in the last year. You know, we've had 
10 million pounds black hole to fill. So maybe the media team isn't the top of the priority list right now, but it definitely can do with improving. But then it comes again back to full circle that they don't report to anyone. So there's, there's no accountability, you know, there's no performance review in, in that department. They've got a perfect opportunity now to put some good content out. People are not going out, people are at home. So people are watching socials all the time. They're watching videos. They want to hear what Glenn's saying. They want to hear what Nick Dawes is saying. They want to hear what Paul Kay has to say about this, like, this incident and stuff like that. So put good content out. I'm not being rude. I, I don't want to blow our own trumpet. We've been together, what, eight weeks now? We've, we've just gone out and bought a couple of cheap mics. We, we put this out for free. And we're trying to offer good content for the fans. And, and that's why our tagline is by the fans for the fans. But the club, the club have these, the... the we're just four guys doing this today. Do you know what I mean? Why can't they put better content out than us or, or the nine years podcast, but they don't, they put out worse content than I've ever seen in my life. And it's, you've got the opportunity to do it. You've got the plow lane there. Uh, I do want to say on one good thing that the, the, the club have done with, with regards. I know this could probably sound biased, but Chris Thorpe with the program and the back to power lane program, he does put out good content on that. And when we went back to power lane, that video they did before the game and, and the stuff they did for the Doncaster game was great. But again, I don't think that was our communications team had any involvement in that at all. I, I agree with you there, Lee. And um, another point to make is I do think Joe Palmer approached the approach to do the back to plow lane live um, because the production value is better. Um, is how it's come across. Um, so I do think maybe Joe Palmer's are, are aware that we can do the social media better and we can offer better production value. Like I said, the the YouTube before the Doncaster game was excellent. I think the Back to Plow Lane Live is much better than the Radio Wimbledon where there's two tinny microphones. You can't really hear them say. Um, you know, you've got all the wind and that it picks up. Um, is, is a bit of a better production value where they interact with the va- fans' questions, in my opinion. So I think maybe Joe Palmer is aware, but, you know, he's got so much on his plate at the moment with what's going on at the club. I think you can, you can probably narrow it down to the fact that you've got the wrong people in the job. You know, it's... it's I, d- I don't know how long uh, certain people have been doing certain roles, but you need to keep things fresh. Um, it's gone stagnant. No, I, I've stopped listening to the interviews. You know, I, don't, I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, I know people are fed up with the commentary. I know people listen to the away comms are on mute. Um, I, I can't remember the last good thing that came out of the social media team. I know there was a video released today. Was that officially from the official Wimbledon? No, no, that was just a YouTube video. That was just a YouTube video, which yeah. again, is that was, a cracking video. That come from Copper 90. Copper 90, you know, okay, we're not going to be able to compete with Copper 90 uh, production value, but um, we should be able to get somewhere at least close to it. Uh, we've shown that we can do it with the, with the plow lane, with the plow lane bits. Um, it's just, it's awful. It's awful. For, for anyone wondering what we're talking about, there's a YouTube video replaced, uh, released by Copper 90 about basically our journey back to Plowlin. So maybe give that a watch if you're bored during lockdown as well. Yes. We'll, we'll share it on Twitter in the socials. Uh, yeah, I've already, I've already shared it on ours and said, everyone watch it. It's a great video, to be fair. Uh, I'll make you, Jamie, I think it's a comfort zone thing as well. Like you said, I think people are in a comfort zone and where there is no accountability, they think they can just keep pulling out the same old rubbish all the time. 
Uh, and it's just got boring now. And again, as I said previously, Kings Meadow could have been an excuse. There was not much room there. There was, you know, it's like the club shop. The club shop was a small little thing, and now it's big. But you've got someone in charge of the club shop who actually wants to do do it and get it out and do the best that you can. I'm just not getting that feeling. I just get they're bored and they're they're in a comfort zone and they can just put out anything they want. And we're just going to listen to it because we're the fans and we're going to listen to whatever they put out. And it's it's not the case. Uh, and and going back to your point, it's good it's good now that we've got two podcasts on the go. You know what I mean? We're, we're the, obviously the number one podcast for Wimbledon fans. <laughs> and it's good that nine years are going to be second in that. So it's, it's good with that. <laughs> Do you think that the um, the media team, et cetera, are kind of not held at gunpoint, but... You know that the, what they say, what questions they ask, and what they put out, and what they do is, you, you know, if they say the wrong thing, they'll, you know, they'll get their knuckles wrapped. Hundred percent. You know, the the intention of those interviews is to try and make us look as as, as good as possible. And let's not forget, Glenn and whoever else is giving those interviews, they're not going to start digging out the team too much in public anyway, because that's not going to be good for the team. But I think. There probably is quite a tight rein on what they can and can't ask, but I just think it doesn't need much. I think it just needs a little bit more just to show that they're listening to what fans are, are talking about separately. So stick to the same format of questions, sure, but I think you just need to see a little bit of, you need to see a little bit more around the edges of just different types of questions that, that obviously not pushing them too far outside their comfort zone because it doesn't really reflect what the fans are thinking. Do you I'm think that, uh, sorry, do you think that, you know, when you watch the likes of Match of the Day, or Sky Sports when you're watching football in the Premier League teams and you see their um, media teams asking somewhat difficult questions at times. Do you think that, that is that what we're comparing it to? No, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not comparing it to that at all, but I just don't think it's matching up to what the fans are talking about. And you don't have to look far to find out what the fans are worrying about or moaning about, to be honest, which, you know, it's not, it's not difficult. I don't even think it's comparing it to Premier League clubs. If you just look at the clubs around us, you know, all the, all the other teams had the the Twitter gifts of, you know, the player scoring before us when we just had a, a still picture of goal. You know, our Twitter page is so boring compared to everyone else's. There's no banter, there's no excitement, there's no gifts. It, it, it needs a revamp. And a bit of constructive criticism I'd give is Radio Wimbledon over the top of iFollow doesn't work because you're putting the radio over TV. So, you know, when you watch uh, Luke O'Neill's crossing the halfway line, it's gone out for a throw-in, he's taken the short, throw-in short. I can see that on TV. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. You know, I don't need a description of every single second. It's like, it's like they talk to you as if you're blind, but I know it's not meant to come across like that because it's the radio. But I just feel like even just that, can't we somehow separate Radio Wimbledon and somebody just doing I follow? And that's why I listen to the away comms or have to mute it because it's relentless. And then you've got the 21 seconds gag and the shout-outs every single game. It's just boring. For me, for me, our club's like a bit of a dictatorship, though, with regards to comms, because it's the it's the club. If you listen to any other club, I bet they ask the same questions. If you went to say Shrewsbury, I bet the Shrewsbury guy is asking the same kind of question. He's not gonna. But why not the club let like this is like the nine years or us ask the questions? So I'm not saying I'm gonna go to Glenn. Why was that fucking shit, mate? Why did you do that? But why not get someone to ask? You you talked about Premiership teams, Jay. The pundits are there too. Then ridicule and pull them apart they're not going to say Jose you played really well even though you just lost 3-0 and you didn't have a shot they're going to say Jose why did you you, you you didn't have a shot on goal today do you think you need another strike or some, something like that with every club they, their own comms team are going to always be nice 
But our, cl our club never lets anyone in. They didn't let nine years in at first. Uh, and, and they will not let anyone in because they don't want to be pushed on the hard questions. Well, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head because, you know, if you have a choice between your comments being asked hard questions and your comments being pulled apart or being asked easy questions so you can, you know, say the same dribble every week. Well, it's an e it's an e it's an easy it's an easy answer. Yeah, I get that, but we're a fans club, so why not let fans ask some questions? So but we're not. Are... But we're not a fans club. We're I not. Get, I like, know what you're saying. We, I know we are a fans club because we're fan owned, but we're not. A fan doesn't run the club. Um, you know, we're a business now, and and uh, you know, our soul. We've kind of sold our soul somewhat. Um, exactly. Because but of how successful we've been. Fans are obviously not happy at the moment. Obviously, with the way we're playing, position wise. And, and the club comms just doesn't do it any favours. And people want to know answers. People want to know why Glyn keeps going with 3-5-2. We want to know why we want to, uh, why uh, Nick Dawes thinks it's acceptable to say, oh, I'll challenge anyone who thinks that we haven't won. I've watched Sunderland and uh, Portsmouth just rip us to pieces in two games. I'll challenge them to say that we weren't in either of them games. Right. Uh, but they will. They'll come out again and say the same, the same shit that they have done. Like, oh, we were unlucky. The lads played well. They did what we asked them to do all the same shit that keeps on happening um, because why not, to. why not ask why do we keep mixing up the team every week Alexander comes in today instead of McLaughlin who's been one of our best players Oksana's on the bench one of our best players it's no, just that's, that's not a hard question to answer it's, it's not like an offensive question to answer it's like oh how come Jay Alexander was in instead of McLaughlin today like, you know that's I, not a difficult question to answer I get why the club ain't going to ask me they're not going to say Lee can you go and ask Nick Glynn questions or right? I'm not an articulate man and stuff like that I get it but there are fans out there who will ask hard questions to the management team to the players better than our current comms team right? I'm not saying get a numpty like me to do it but get someone like like you two uh Jamie and Neil not you boys sorry mate but get <laughs> <laughs> they don't want Mr Bean saying asking questions do they so but... <laughs> Get the other two. You know what I mean? Just uh, There are people that can ask the hard questions without being insulted. I think the one example from watching that, you mentioned that Nick Dawes interview, one of the questions was, what have you been doing to prepare for the Pompey game? And his response was, oh, just routine stuff, nothing new. And then it was moved on straight to the next question. Now, that would have been a perfect opportunity when he said, oh, just routine stuff, nothing new, to say, well, hang on, we've got one point from seven games don't you think we should be trying something slightly different? Or is there anything different you're doing other than you, you talk about routine and you, but that's not working, is it? So, yeah, it, that's just an example of when you could just slightly go off script a little bit. But I don't know, but like we said, maybe the team don't have the flexibility or the freedom to do that. And what do they say about madness? It's doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Uh, and that's what seems to be happening at the moment with regards to our team. Uh, and another comment that Nick Dawes made that just made, we've got two of the best strikers in this league. The, the two best strikers. The two best strikers. Uh, then I'd then I, I pick up maybe. I don't think Longman is, but... No, that's a, that's a joke of a comment. Last two or three weeks, I've not seen two of the best strikers in this league. The, the best striker we have is on the bench, so... I've, and, <laughs> I've, 50 goals, 50 goals. I personally think the best thing the club could do right now, but they never do this, is let's have a meet the manager session. But they only ever call meet the manager when we've won a few games. You know, we have one at the start of the season when we've just signed a few new players. It's, you know, new season, everyone's excited, everyone's in a good mood. And then all of a sudden now, what the club will do is they'll hide it. You know, you won't have a meet the manager 
But then if we win three games and we shoot up the table, it'll be like, oh, you have a fantastic chance. And, you know, people's, people's questions have gone, you know, the, the mood's changed. But, you know, the best thing the club could do is sort of shy away from it. Let's have a meet the manager so fans can get a few things off their chest in a, in a productive way, you know, not, you know, all guns blazing. And, you know, ask a few of these questions the fans want to know. Um, I think that would be the best thing. Like, that, we're meant to be fan-owned, but like Jamie said, you know, then we don't get the opportunity to ask the questions when, when we want to. I think that's a great idea, we'll see. You know, uh, I remember in the Dave Anderson chat that, that we had, um, Lee mentioned that he, he had a, he had words with Dave in the bar after a game once, um, you know, was convinced that Dave Anderson should leave. Um, and then Dave Anderson put his point across and did he change his, change your mind or just kind of not win you over? But you, you kind of see it from a different point of view. At the minute, we've got nothing or, or yeah, very little I, because the comms are so bad. It, you know, this is, this is a better time than ever. It's better than when we're doing well even to open up that line of communication, to see things from the players or the coaching staff point of view. The club was a bit different back then. We had access to the players quite easily. Like they were just us, yeah, really, just, weren't they? I was they? just using it as an example. No, I know. And Dave, I did have a frank, I had a frank discussion with Neil Cox and I got kicked out of the bar uh, because I told him what I thought about him. And again, that was regards to his own social media, some of his stupid posts that he was doing and some of the attitude that we had then. It weren't very professional from the man. And I told him what I thought. I ended up getting kicked out of the President's Lounge for that. But... Uh, all fun but uh sorry i've gone off tangent then but uh i just it's, it's just it's boring stuff coming from the club comms now and again we've lost three nil to sunderland one in that game we lost four nil to portsmouth and, uh, and one in that game it's just what do we do now going forward because social media has blown up again with regards to glenn losing his job and i don't I, i'm 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 i think he should i think i think the Sunderland game, awful, didn't create any chances. Um, you know, Nick Dawes came out and said, you know, that he thought we played well. I don't know what fucking game he was watching. Um, and then to turn around and say that he's preparing for the Portsmouth game the same way that they have been for previous games. To then get spanked 4-0, play even worse, probably, than we did against Sunderland. I mean, it's, it's getting to the stage now where we've got Portsmouth, we've just played Portsmouth, and then we've got another tough three or four games before playing Wigan. Um, th there could be a very strong possibility that that one point in seven turns into one point in 11 or 12 games, um, by which point I think it's probably too late. Um, I think, you know, th there's people saying, you know, stick with him, there's people saying, sack him. If the club aren't seriously considering getting rid of him, then there's a bigger problem here. I personally think we should stay with Glynn. And the reason for that is if you look at Waddy Down's win percentage after 42 games, it was 26.5%. If you look at Glynn's after 56 games, it's 30%. To compare that to Neil Ardley, Neil Ardley had 31.5% win, win percentage. However, he spent four of them years playing the likes of Scunthorpe, Southend, Northampton, Stevenage. You know, if you look at the top eight of this league off, or top nine, if, off the top of my head, so I haven't got the league table in front of me, we got Lincoln, Hull, Ipswich, Doncaster, Charlton, Portsmouth, Sunderland. I mean, it's a difficult league and four teams go down. I mean, Wigan are only down there because they're owners, so you could throw them into the mix as well. Normally, they'd be up there or wouldn't even be in this league. And then you've got the teams coming up like Plymouth, who are, you know, they're probably a League One or Championship club. You know, they've been in Championship before. 
it's a very hard league, and I just think sacking the manager now, this deep into the January window, you know, whatever manager's going to come in, you're going to have to, if you get rid of Glynn and you get rid of Nick, you're going to have to pay him off. Then you're going to have to get two new people in, pay him a two-year deal. You know, people talk about Jason Yule, you'd have to pay off his contract at Charlton. I just think it's such a knee-jerk reaction. And whoever comes in, I think we need a manager who can play 3-5-2. And the reason for that is because we've got no natural ringers. We've got six centre-backs. You know, you, you'd need a Chris Wilder to come in at this point to manage this squad. But, you know, he's not obviously going to come down. But I just think, I think we've got to stick with it. If you look at the next run of fixes, we've got Crew, we've got Doncaster, we've got Franchise, we've got Wigan, we've got Rochdale. I think we've got to get through this run of games and start picking up points and then assess the situation. That's what I believe. And, um, I mean, and pe- people moaned, people moaned at, Glenn and Nick goes, oh, change the formation, change the formation. They change the formation against Sunderland and we lose. So it comes back to what I said earlier in the podcast. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I think we should stick to 3-5-2, try to get our players back fit. Um, you know, we've been hit with COVID. We've been hit with injuries to our key positions and see where we are after the next six or seven games. That's what that, I'm sticking my neck on the line and that's what I'm going to say. Did boys, you talk about Wally Downs. Wally Downs done the great escape. So he had a little bit of rope to play with. Uh, and Glynn was his number two. I, I think Glynn's a better number two than he is a manager because, again, where's the accountability with regards to the manager? There was a, p- a tweet today that we've lost 21 points dropped from winning p- uh, positions. That would have us playoffs and all that. Uh, do you know what I mean? And it's the mentality of these players. Again, we go back to communications and stuff like that. Someone else posted, and this is what I keep seeing all the time, is what was he asked to achieve before we know he's failing. But then the club hasn't told us what we have to achieve. Do, I mean, I know they ain't going to, but as fans, I wanted to stay up. At that moment, we're not staying up. We've just been beaten 3-0 and 4-0. Our mentality is so weak. That's got to come from the uh, management team. And it all links into one again. Attitude, injuries, communications, are all from the management team and the whole of the club. And it's poor at the moment. And it's piss poor. Where do we go? Do we lose to scum? Uh, and uh, at Plough Lane and get absolutely turned over by them and then we go, oh shit, we need to change manager now. Yeah, the, the, like, like you say, Finchie, the way things are going, we're going down. Um, you, you, you talk about, you know, get through these runner games, hopefully pick up some points. What happens if we don't pick up any points? Then we're, then we're even, even more shit than we were. To, we started and also, Boise, you said about we need a manager that can play 3-5-2. Essentially, this team has been put together over the past three seasons to play three five two, and we're still shit. So we can't play three five two. So what's the point in playing three five two or getting a manager in that, that knows how to play three five two if the players can't? I'm just going to jump in, boys. Sorry, boys. I've just got a stat. We've lost seven out of our last eight games. Got one point, conceding twenty three goals. Yeah, I concede that we're on a poor run right now. And, you know, we've got none of our best centre-backs out on the pitch at the moment. I mean, O'Neill's just coming back from injury. I think Hennigan and Tell Thomas are better centre-backs. I think that's that's part of the reason for it. We're on a bad run. If You, you know, people go, oh, look at Atkins and Sonny, look at Wickham. They've got John Coleman and I can't remember the Wickham's manager's name. Mine's gone blank, but they've been Gareth there. Ainsworth. Like, yeah, Gareth Ainsworth. But they've been there for years. You know, they've had the chance to build up their squad and develop it. You know, we say about, oh, what if we lose the franchise, then we need to, you know, then we're relegated and then we need to sack the manager. What if we spend, you know, it's going to cost over 100k to change the manager 
in my opinion. I think I think to get rid of Nick Dawes and to get rid of Glynn, you've got to pay them off and get two new people in a two-year deal. I mean, we've already spent 70K because I had a look at the accounts to get rid of Ardley and Wally Downs. And I think was, so how is, how is that going to cost 100K to get rid of? Because, because, you, because you get rid of Nick Dawes, you get rid of Glynn, so you've got to pay their contracts off. And then you've got to bring two new people in on probably a two-year deal. You're not going to give them to the end of the season. But, you know, the manager's job must be, what do we reckon, 50, 50 grand a year? Yeah, but I think you, you look at that and you think, do we need to get rid of Nick Dawes? He was brought in as a director of football. Can we not like, keep, him on a, you know, keep him on as a director of football? It depends on who the new manager is. If the, if the Cowley um, brothers come in, they're not going to keep Nick Dawes. We're not going to get the Cowley we're brothers. Not, no, I was just <laughs> using that as an, I was using that an example. If you've got someone like that, they're not going to, they're not going to want Nick Dawes there. My, my thing is, sorry, boys, boy, I've got to say, sorry. With regards to our manager, I think if it costs us 100 grand to get rid of him, uh, then that has to be the case. We can't go down and then we're going to lose more money because we're in League Two, which ain't going to be financially viable. As you keep saying about the bridging loan and things like that, we got to pay. We need to be in League One to pay all this stuff. We, we, we lose our next few games, um, say, all, all the way through to uh, the Wigan game. Say we lose all of those. Would you still be glinning then? If we lose all them, all them games up to Wigan? No, that, no I, think, I think give them up to the Rochdale game. So we play Crew, Doncaster, Franchise, Wigan and Rochdale. I think give them to them. I think if you spend all this money changing the manager and then we get relegated, it's been probably the biggest financial mistake we've, we've made, in my opinion. And then what, always... do you do, what do you do next season? Change the manager again? You know, spend another few hundred thousand at it? I think I've, it's too I've much al- of a knee jerk. Go on, Neil. Thanks, mate. I've always liked Glenn. I've wanted to stick by him. But I think with every game that goes past now, I think it's getting harder and harder. And I think if we do wait these extra few games, like you've just said, I can't see us getting anything. And I think it's going to be too late. And I think, I think one thing that is quite telling for me is we've not really done any major business so far. Does that tell you, does that suggest that they're not potentially like long, long-term appointments for the rest of the season? Cause we're not giving them any, anything to spend. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I, I, I at the beginning, at the beginning of this poor run, I was like, I'd be like, yeah, stick with him. But I think with every game, it's just getting more and more difficult. And I just can't see us getting ourselves out of it at the moment. And, I think we've got the players to do it. I just think something's missing. Something, something between the players and the management just isn't isn't working at the moment. I think personally, I think personally, part of the reason we've let three players go and got one in the door is to do a budget. I think if we do have any money left in the pot, we should try to sign a fourth striker. I think that's all we can really afford. I mean, if you look back, you know, last last year, I think it was, you know, we had a, we had a seven to ten million pound black hole. We had to, you know, get outside investment to. To the guy from ASOS to chip in money. We had to raise seven million. We had to get a bridge and loan. We've built New Plow Lane. We've changed the CEO. We've changed manager twice since Ardy left. I mean, look, what did Ardy do when he, he came in? He kept us up. We had a few seasons of League Two football stability. Then he got us promoted and he left us in a bigger, better position. We we need right now stability. We've had so much change on and off the pitch with Don Trust Board and all this going on, I think, you know, we're in, the, we're in such a hard league. People, that, people don't seem to realise. And yes, there's a possibility we could go down. But, you know, if we, if we went down, if you took your AFC Wimbledon blue-tinted glasses off, you know, would a lot of football fans be surprised to see us down in the bottom six? You know, do whole supporters go, oh, that's a surprise. You know, they're down there. You know, if it was uh, Sunderland or Portsmouth or Ipswich, then yeah. But I think, I think personally you've got to stick with him. See, this thing I keep hearing is that we can't afford to sack a manager. 
which just blows my mind because then that way he's then can do whatever he likes. He can be as shit as he likes because we can't, he, he must know we can't afford to sack him. So then what do we do? We can never afford to sack a manager. Wally Downs got sacked because he was simply, he, he made a mistake, uh, which cost him his job, uh, which I agreed that he, he, he had to be sacked. I don't think I would have loved to seen him in the job still. So we've gone through two managers. One of them made a silly mistake and got sacked. But we can't afford to sack a manager. It just blows my mind because then we, we, he could lose the rest of the season and we're going to just say, yeah, it's fine. You've got League Two now. How, how, how low do we go? This is what I said in a couple of weeks ago. How low do we have to go before we question this manager? Like I said, for me, to the Rochelle game, I mean, I think, you know, you alluded that we've dropped 21 points so far this season, but then also look at that as a positive fact for that we have been in them winning positions. You know, the, the formation is working. It's the mentality of the players. I mean, you can go, you can go, you know, we should have picked up points against Lincoln and then PK makes a dreadful mistake. Um, we should have picked up more points against Oxford. You know, their, their keeper was, you know, out of this world on this day. You know, I think, I think we just had a bit of bad luck and a bit of running rubber the green, but I think, you know, all, all managers have sticky, sticky patches. I mean, look at the Premier League. Everyone was shouting, ole out, ole out from Man United. And now they're top of the league. I think we're just going for a bad run of form, a sticky patch. I think for me, we do stick with him. It's going to be, it's going to cost so much money to change it. And it's such a gamble for me. I don't think it's impossible for it, for us to change the manager, but Glynn was linked with the Gillingham job and stayed with us. His family's up in Nottingham and he's living with Nick Dawes at the moment. You know, he's shown us loyalty and I think we've got to show him a bit of loyalty back. See, that's mad again. Like, but you mentioned Oxford. We didn't start playing until we were 2-0 down. Uh, and then we thought, oh yeah, we've got to get back into this game now. And you talk, him living with Dawes in, in, in his family being up Nottingham, that's just mad to me. Like, you're in a full-time job. This is someone who needs to... I know you say about the house prices and stuff like that, but we need a manager who's going to come in, he's going to live and breed and, and be with Wimbledon. And, and I think that's, again, going back to the attitude, the comms and everything, it all breeds from people not being at this club. So, obviously, I, I, I presume you're Glenn in. For now, yeah. For now, yeah. For now. Uh, Finchie, you're Glenn out. Neil? Yeah. Uh, probably out, to be honest, after, especially after tonight. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with you. I think I'm, I'm less out than Finchie. You know, I'm still... I've got one foot over the side of that fence. I just, I've not seen anything that's decent from us. I don't see any fight. I don't see the, the mentality. I don't see Piggott just looks off it as well. I don't think the last few games he's had a... Uh, oh, sorry, Sunderland hit the post. Again, we were 2-0 down, but that was one chance he had in the, in the whole game. And I just don't see us bringing in any... I, I agree with Boise. Unfortunately, with the budget we got, we might not be able to bring anyone in. With the current squad that we've got, the injuries that we've got, I just can't see us not going down. And... I, I disagree about this league being really, really good. Most of the teams in here are shit. I think I think if you look back over the past three seasons, if you if you take out that that six months when Wally first came in and kept us up, this the playing squad across all those three seasons have been the most anti Wimbledon squad I think I, I've I've ever seen. You know, there's no fight, there's no there's no leadership, there's there's nothing. You know, it's. I'm not. I'm not saying. You know, I. I don't care if we go down as long as we give a shit. It's more. You know that the, the, there's just the lack of anything. You know that we were four nil down uh, against Portsmouth, and we won a corner, and whoever was going over was just like trudging over to get it, and then laughing and joking with Nesta Guinness Walker before he took the corner. It's like you're four nil down for fuck's sake. You know, you, 
show a bit of urgency, even if I know the game's got done, but. So I hear this a lot about the Wimbledon way and crazy gang spirit and stuff like that. Modern football changed now. We are, unfortunately, that, them days are gone. I just want to see the team that we put on the park play, give 100%. That's all we want. If they're not good enough, then they're not good enough. But I'm not seeing anyone at the moment in the last few games give 100%. And that's what annoys me. And I think that then comes from the management team. And again, with the communications and what Dawes said the other week, that they're not doing anything different. It's like, well, I'm seeing a team that are not shit, but just not trying to meet in my eyes. And I think that, unfortunately, the buck stops with the manager. You know, we're not going to turn around and sack the whole playing squad because they're not good enough. Because we definitely, if we can't afford to sack the manager, we definitely can't afford to do that. So if it's a results business, um, and even even if you can't really afford to sack a manager, it's at least a performance business. If we were playing well and losing, you know, you might be able to give them a bit of leeway. But we're playing shit. We've played shit pretty much all season. Um, and the results aren't coming either. So, like I said, the, the buck stops with the manager. And it's his job to get his team to perform and his team to win games. And he's not doing that. And another point I keep seeing as well, and I keep reading this off, oh, if you want the manager to go, remember the candidates that we had last time? They like, Would you want them in? We don't know who's going to apply now. We're in a COVID situation. There's a lot of people that need work. 50 grand a year is a good bit of money if you're out of work at the moment without a job and knowing when you're going to get into a job. So until we know who's going to apply, and I get your point about, I wouldn't go after Jason Yule if we have to pay him. There's a lot of good managers out of job at the moment. Paul Cook. I know people are saying we can't get the Cowley brothers. They'll never come. They're, they're, not that, they're not that far away from Wimbledon. Why would they not come? Why would they not come? I, f- I think, to be honest, Liz, well, we, we're pretty quite an attractive, uh, apart from the, the money side of things, we're pretty quite an attractive proposition for some managers as well because we do have faith in our managers and generally we do stick with them unless they do something ridiculous which forces our hands to get rid of them so I, don't know, I think it all plays into being a bit more optimistic about the kind of candidates we might attract I agree we've got Plough Lane now that's a massive yeah. draw for people do you know what I mean we've got a nice stadium uh, we've got someone who's come in and put investment into the club as well we've, we've got a, a good playing squad we've got a good youth set up uh, I know we had we don't have a good playing squad we don't have a good playing squad I disagree I think the squad could be good I just think the management team are weak and that's what's coming across on the, the, the team I think See, no. I, don't, I don't think that, uh, that our, our performances just boil down to the management team I think it's a shit show all over mm. and you talk about we've got Plough Lane now like do you think that players or management teams go oh they've got a nice stadium I'm going to go and manage them now no it, it's especially at this level if uh, a lot of fans are talking about not getting someone with Wimbledon ties uh, to come in as manager next, you know, then they don't they don't give a monkeys about about the new stadium that we're playing in I, I or, or that whatever it's it's they want a, probably a decent playing squad to start with, they want a decent playing budget and they want to get paid money. They're no, mercenaries I, as much as the players. What I'm trying to say is, if you were a manager and you were looking at Kings Meadow or you're looking at Plough Lane, you wouldn't think, oh, I don't want to be playing, managing women at Kings Meadow. But Plough Lane is it is a big draw. I, I, I disagree with what you're saying there. Oh, next, I agree to disagree, but yeah. Next season, we're not going to have any non-revenable season tickets. I mean, if we do, I don't think people are going to buy them if there's still COVID. And we're not going to have any debunchers, or however you pronounce it. But I think it will have an impact on the playing budget. I think, you know, we've got to refinance the, the bridge and loan. We've got to start paying the bonds back soon. I think the playing budget's going to get even worse next season. So... 
you know, talk about managers coming in. It's like, here you go, come in and then work with this group because we can't afford to sign anyone. That's what I think is the current situation. And we definitely need to have a discussion on here one week. It's not the time now because we've been going on for ages, but we need to have that investment chat. Uh, and we need to speak to people who are either investment in or investment out and have that chat because I agree with you boys. Yeah, but a budget seems to get worse every year and we can't keep going to the fans with a begging bowl because especially during COVID, people what, ain't got the money. What amazes me is the people who are, there's people out there who are no investment, fair enough, but then they also know to Broncos ground share. And it's like, there's, there's no debunctures that's here. There's no non-refundable season tickets. People have lost their job and, you know, a lot of Wimbledon fans are struggling financially. It's like, well, what do you expect? We're going to go down and then they, and then they glint out. You know, this is what I don't get. It's, it drives me crazy. You just, again, you just reminded me, right? I, this is a black home with everything going on. We're talking about comms before. London Broncos, oh, like we heard it all, the survey. Where's the information for that now? Where is the survey results? Where is the results on the survey? Where, where, where are we with London Broncos currently? It's gone really, really quiet. Is that just me or is, has it just gone like, yeah, I would agree under the radar again? Yeah. And yeah, it just blows, this is what we're talking about. Things like that. This is huge. Are London Broncos going to be coming in and giving us money to play at our ground? No so, one knows now. So what you're saying, Lee, is sat the manager... Sack the media team. Sack. Just sack everyone. Make Zach Robinson player you know, manager. Yeah. You know what I do? Get, get me in charge. Oh, here we go. Right. Here we go. Get me manager. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll sort this team out big time. I was going to say, I hope our listeners have stopped listening by this point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut so, it. We'll cut it. <laughs> so before we go, um, fellas, we've got, is it crew on Saturday? It is. Gresty Road. I wish we were going, mate. It's a cracking away day, that is. Uh, what do we? I mean, I don't really want to talk about it to be honest. But you know, what, what do you? What do you? What do we reckon? I was kind enough to go on the uh, Railwaymen uh, podcast, the crew, Alexander one, and uh, they fancy their chances against us. Which after <laughs> after after Tuesday night, I, I, I can see why. No way. <laughs> I went for a Desmond. I went for two two because they were three 0 up against Bristol on Tuesday, and they scored. They conceded two goals. They do concede goals, crew. So I can see us scoring, but the problem we have is we can see goals. So, 2-2 two, two for me. Neil? Oh, I think we're going to nick a 1-0. It's got to turn sooner or later. It's got to turn. I'm going to stick my neck out. 1-0. I'm also going to stick my neck out and go 1-0. We've got to keep it tight at the back. Nick a goal. Close up shop. I think that's the only way. It's going to be boring, but I think that's what, we're going to, I think that's what Glenn's, Glenn's message is going to be. I think that's what we've got to do. And, and let's see if Jamie will climb down from the fence this week. No, a 3-0 crew. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> He's on that fence for now. He's climbed down the other side. Went into the next door neighbour's garden. No, well, I mean, uh, we're shit. Yeah. I, I, and and uh, we're talking about relegation and stuff. I, I can't see four teams worse than us. Um, you know, I can't wait for Saturday now then. The only, the only reason that we're still, we're still in with a chance is because we had a good start to the season. And unless we can find that form again, or so, somewhere close to that, we're, we're, we're in trouble. But yeah, I reckon we'll get we'll get done again on Saturday. Oh, all right. Well, well, nice speaking to you all. That <laughs> ended on a yeah. positive note there, Jay. But yeah. also remember that on Sunday we'll be releasing our special episode of the uh, interview and conversation we had with Gav Graham. Uh, that was a good laugh. So yeah, that would be a good guy. listen on Sunday. But yeah, Neil. thank you very much, Neil, for joining us, and thank you very much, Boise. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.